Good morning, everyone. Welcome to worship today on this uh, beautiful Sunday morning, Sunday before Thanksgiving. And in churches all over this world, it's also known as Christ the King Sunday, which is the, the last Sunday before the season of Advent, when we celebrate in nations throughout the world that our ultimate loyalty and love is for Jesus Christ and for God. Not any nation, but all nations together, and we are called to be God's people. So welcome to worship here today. Let's prepare our hearts and minds to worship God now as we listen to the prelude. Let's join together in the call to worship that's printed in the bulletin. God gives us one day at a time, long enough for laughter to follow any tears, deep enough for prayer and silence to dance together, time enough to help someone in need, plenty of time to notice beauty and praise the maker, sufficient time to build a bridge of forgiveness or tear down a wall of resentment. The right time to embrace friends, smile at strangers, play with children, sing praise to God. Praise God for this day we are given.
let's pray. Sovereign, merciful, and loving God, this morning we come before you in thanksgiving and with purpose to love and to serve you in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We stand with the courage of our mothers and fathers in faith, those who insisted even when times got really tough and hard, that not even the most powerful rulers of our nation or of any other nation have ultimate authority over us. For you hold our eternal destiny in your hands. We are secure as followers of Christ whose reign is just, whose power is endless, and whose love is unfathomable. So God of eternity, we join the chorus of saints who continue to declare that Christ is our King today and all days. And so as followers of Jesus, holy God, we come to you now in a time of silent prayer. May your Holy Spirit enter into our hearts and minds and souls. And from out of the silence, God's people say together, Amen. Amen. And let's pray together the prayer of preparation and confession that's printed here in the bulletin. We come into your presence, O God, with all we are, inspired and harried, joyful and grief-stricken, enthusiastic and exhausted, carefree, care-filled, distracted, expectant. We come with all our successes and failures, our hopes and our disappointments, longing for your healing touch, and so much more. Renew us, fill us with strength and courage that we may know your love and pass it on to all those lives we touch. Then will we know the fullness of life for which you have created us. Amen. Brothers and sisters, with joy and thanksgiving and with expectant hope and faith, I can declare unto you that in Jesus Christ, God does forgive you, God loves you, accepts you, and promises to be with you wherever you go in this life and to accompany you as you become the person you were made to be. Receive that good news, pass it on, and be at peace. Amen. Let's stand and greet those that are around us. Good morning. We welcome you to this worship service. Uh, if you're on the inside aisle, if you'll take the pew pad, sign yourself in, pass it on down. If you're visiting here today, there's a place there you can, you can sign in and give us your contact information. If you're watching this on uh, Facebook or on the internet, welcome here as well today. I invite you to turn to the uh, color page here, which is a synopsis of announcements. Now, there are two more pages which have all kinds of important details of service opportunities, all kinds of stuff there. This one uh, gives the highlights. Uh, the first thing you see is, is our thermometer. We are about two-thirds of the way through our stewardship campaign. Uh, we're hoping to fit, finish it up soon before Christmas time. And so if you haven't sent in your pledge card, there are, there's one right there in your pew in front of you. You can do that. You can go online and fill it out online there as well. And we're hoping to complete that campaign. 
There's a bunch of announcements there about Christmas. On uh, Wednesday night is the uh, Christmas caroling. You know, the, across the street, the city lights up the tree. And then after the tree is lit, we invite people to come over to the Guild Hall. We have refreshments, so we sing Christmas carols. So that's a wonderful way to begin the Christmas season there. There's an announcement there about the concert tickets that are available, the two evenings of the Christmas concert. And you can pick up a sign and put it in your yard and help to uh, advertise the concert. But there'll be a table outside there today for you to be able to buy your tickets as well. There's announcements about the alternative gift market, which is coming up, the adult fellowship Christmas party, and the times of our services. This little white rosebud on the piano is uh, in celebration of the life of Alyssa Peterson, the new granddaughter of Kurt and Janet Peterson. I think also the flowers appear in honor. Now, how many of you out there here have a grandchild or a child born in Bali. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Grandparents get to visit Bali to see their grandkid. That's pretty cool. Right, Janet? She's here today as an usher. So let's continue now in prayer. Holy and merciful God, today we come to be with you and to be with one another to give you thanks and praise and glory for you have given us all things. You've given us minds for thinking, hearts for feeling, bodies for moving, and souls for connecting. Of course, we're grateful for the blessing of material things, too, for homes to live in, for meaningful jobs to do, for the rest of leisure, and for the, the company of family and friends. We're even more thankful for the gift of life itself that lets us be in relationship with you and to work together to bring healing and hope to this world. God of peace, God of plenty, we also thank you for the beauty and the abundance of our nation and for its people. Our ancestors came from many lands for many reasons in various ways, but your mercy, by your mercy, they found grace in what to many at first seemed to be but a wilderness. And you have blessed us all with more than we could ever imagine or earn on our own. You've sustained us in what we do not even deserve. You've lifted up leaders who sought the good as well as ordinary men and women who have served our country with honor and sacrifice. Yet we also realize that as a people, we've not always lived up to our high calling. At times, we've abused the land, neglected or harmed vulnerable people, and imagined ourselves to be the source of our own blessings. Yet despite it all, you have promised to love us with an everlasting love. So we are bold to seek your mercy, and we pray that you would help us to receive it as real good news and to respond to it by being generous to those in need, understanding of those in distress, civil and courteous to those who have opinions that differ from our own, forgiving to those who wrong us and compassionate towards all who suffer. God of home and hearth, as we gather with friends and loved ones this week, or as we think about loved ones who are no longer with us or not able to be with us, help us to speak freely and naturally of your gracious love, of your sovereign mercy and guidance, so that our holiday tables may abound with heartfelt gratitude as well as with food. 
Let us keep in mind all those who go without and resolve to use our many blessings to bless them. Help us to hear and to heal those who are lonely or seemingly forgotten. And in a moment of silence, we lift up those who we know need your special blessing this day and this week. God of all nations and of all peoples, through this time of thanksgiving and rest, lead us all to continue in thankful living and gracious giving. For the sake of him who gave all he had for us, Jesus Christ, our King, who teaches us to pray together with one voice, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Fountains flow, rivers run, the mist that veils the sky hides the sun. Then down the rain doth pour, the ocean it doth roar, and beat upon the shore, and all praise in their ways. The God who ne'er declines his designs. The sun with all his rays speaks of God as he flies. The comet in her blaze, God, she cries. The shining of the stars the moon when she appears, his awful name declares, see them fly through the sky. And join the solemn sound all around. Scripture lesson for today comes from Psalm 4. O men, 
how long shall my honor suffer shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Salah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Those same verses from a modern translation called the message. You rabble, how long do I put up with your scorn? How long will you lust after lies? How long will you live crazed by illusion? Look at this, look, who got picked by God? He listens the split second I call to him. May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. This is the third part of our series based on a book by Henry Nouwen called Reaching Out, Three Movements of the Spiritual Life. And in the first part, we looked at the movement from loneliness to solitude. Being alone and having it be bad to being alone and having it be good. In the second part, we looked at the movement from hostility to hospitality. From encountering a stranger and instead of feeling fear or anger or resentment, feeling love and warmth and acceptance. And then this week, the movement from illusion to prayer. I like that part of the verse in the message where it says, how long will you keep hanging on to an illusion? And to move from an illusion about the world to an attitude of prayer and an ability to relate to God in prayer is this last and third movement we will look at today. What do you think about when I say the word prayer? Do you have a specific prayer in mind? Do you have a, something that you repeat, let's say, every night before you go to bed? Do you have a, or is it just a, re, a general conversation? Do you think of the Lord's Prayer? Because I think when it comes to this topic of prayer, we, we find two different kinds of people. There are some folks that have never progressed beyond their elementary school idea of prayer. It's still, they're hanging on to the illusions that were taught to them as a child, and they've never developed a more adult ability to talk about prayer or think about prayer. The other side, though, is there are so many people who can't help but pray, but just don't know how to talk about it, don't know how to describe it, what it is or how it works in their lives. For example, prayer is like asking a three-year-old child why he likes to play with a ball. What's the answer? Or asking someone, why do you love that person? Sometimes you just don't even know. There's a fascinating documentary film that was made some years back. It won the Sundance Award for Best Documentary. It's called Man on Wire. And um, it was a true story. It was about a true story of something that happened on August 7th, 1974. A French circus acrobat by the name of Philippe Petit and some friends strung a wire from the top of the World Trade Center number one to the top of World Trade Center number two, and holding a balance pole like this, he set out and he walked across that wire from one building to the next. When he arrived at building number two, the New York Police Department was there to greet him. They arrested him, they took him down to the police station, 
And they kept asking him one question. Why did you do it? Why did you do that? He answered, he said, if I see three oranges, I have to juggle. If I see two towers, I have to walk. That was his answer. I kept thinking, 25 years later, on 9-11, when you, the first time you saw the footage of the planes hitting the towers and the towers coming out, what came out of your mouth when you first saw that? Probably something like, oh my God, oh my God. That is a prayer. Even when you shorten it to OMG in your email, that is a prayer. That is. And so we can't even, we can't even have an answer for it. Julian Barnes wrote a book about the subject of death called Nothing to be Frightened of. And I bought it because I liked the first line of the book. He wrote, I don't believe in God, but I miss him. I don't believe in God, but I miss him. You've known people like that, haven't you, who've lost the faith that they grew up with, that they were taught as a child. They don't, they don't have a faith anymore. And yet they're still, deep inside, is a yearning for something, some sort of connection with the universe. I don't believe in God, but I miss him. Prayer becomes so personal. It is such a yearning. And I have to admit that even as we speak about it this day, it is still somewhat of a mystery to me. There's still so much more to figure out. There was a young man who was a doctoral student in the physics department at Princeton University at the Institute for Advanced Studies. And he was searching for a topic for his dissertation. And you know, at that level, your dissertation is supposed to be original research. You're supposed to find out and research something that has never been discovered before. And he asked his advisor for suggestions. His advisor happened to be Albert Einstein. And do you know what Einstein's advice was to the student? He said, find out about prayer. Somebody needs to figure out about prayer. He was not known as a religious man, but he knew that there was some mystery there that still needs to be figured out. Does it make any difference when you pray? Does it change things in the universe? Do things get altered? There is a, an interesting book um, written by Larry Dossie, who's a, a medical doctor, called Healing Words. And the book is the compilation of, of research that has been done on prayer, scientific research studies. And um, one of the, the strongest ones in, in the book is there were, they took people who were recovering from heart surgery and they divided them into two different groups. One group, the people were prayed for by name. The other group, the control group, they were not prayed for. And uh, it turned out that at the end, the group that were prayed for, and they didn't even know they were being prayed for, it was a double-blind test, the group that was prayed for had better outcomes than the control group. 
Now, the problem was, two years later, they did the same experiment to try to duplicate the results, and the opposite happened. The people who were not prayed for did better than the people who were prayed for. Not sure what happened there, but... Um, but there's all, the research is all over, kinds of, all over the world, all this kind of stuff. But there's one thing that I think is, is not disputable, and that is this, because uh, I've, I've known this in my own life. When you know somebody is praying for you, it makes a wonderful difference in your life. There's a sense of love and support when you, when you know that you are being prayed for. When my mom was in the process of dying and I was going back and forth between here and Phoenix, Arizona. When I would come back into the office, Gene and Don and Scott would say, how's Jackie doing? We've been praying for her, and we've been praying for you because we know this is a difficult time. And that made all the difference in the world, to know that somebody was praying for me. About 10 years ago, we started this thing at the church where every week we send out 10 letters. We just go through the church directory alphabetically and we send out 10 letters to the next people and the letters say, we're going to be praying, the staff is going to be praying for you next Tuesday morning at our staff meeting and if you have anything specific that you want us to pray for, let us know and we'll include it. We put in the letter that that this is, this is going to everybody eventually, not just you. We, we didn't want them to think that we knew something about them. You know. But, um, and, and over the, we've done this, now we've probably been three or four times through the church directory. Um, and uh, it's amazing how people will, will write or call and say, you know, that came at such a good time for me in my life. I've been going through a difficult time. And just the thought that there are people somewhere that are praying for me makes me feel better. It's important to not just pray for people, but make sure you tell them that you're praying for them. I think some of the problem that we have with prayer comes from our prosperity in our culture. Philip Yancey said that uh, he noticed, he says, in my travels, I have noticed that Christians in developing countries spend less time pondering the effectiveness of prayer and more time actually praying. Any of you that have been to Malawi on a mission trip know that this is how it works. Anytime you get in a car, before you go anywhere, you have a prayer. And then when you get to where you're going, you have another prayer. It makes sense after you see the roads and the cars there. Um, but we don't do that. We don't, we don't even question whether we're going to get to where we're going here. We get in our car. We don't stop and have a prayer or a prayer when we get somewhere. It's, it's also, it says, he wrote, the wealthy rely on talent and resources to solve immediate problems and insurance policies and retirement plans to secure the future. It's hard for us to pray the Lord's Prayer with sincerity, isn't it? You know, when it, that line that says, give us this day our daily bread, which literally in the Greek, you know, means give us enough bread for tomorrow. It's hard for most of us to pray that when we have a pantry and a freezer stocked with 30 days worth of food. We don't need just tomorrow's bread. It's hard for us to be sincere about that. So what is prayer? What, what prayer is not? What are the things that it is not? One of the things is we understand is that it's not thinking. 
Prayer is unfiltered communication straight from the heart. In fact, when you hear it sometimes, it sounds like blurting out something. Annie Dillard, in one of her books, talks about a minister um, at this little Episcopal church up in Washington State. And she says that sometimes when he's in the middle of the prayer, he will blurt something out. All of a sudden he'll say, God, we come to you every week with the same things. And then he goes right back to the prayer. Sorry. And she says, because of this, I like him very much. It is unfiltered communication from the heart. Prayer is not pulling strings. Remember when you were a kid and you could get the, that candy called Pez and it had a little dispenser and you push the button and you get your little piece of candy? God is not a cosmic Pez dispenser. It does not work that way. That If you say the right thing, you get the little piece of candy. God does not get one candidate elected and not another one. This is going to be hard for you to understand, but God could care less about sports scores. He didn't decide yesterday that it was time for Cal to win the big game. It just happened. Uh, it's important for us to know that. Prayer is not using God. It's not using God to get what we want. Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, you remember that? He says, Lord, let this cup pass from me. In other words, he said what he wanted. He didn't want to die. But then he followed it up with, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. The nevertheless... God, here's what I want, but you know what? It's more important that what you want happen in this world. And so our, our, does, our job is to use prayer not to get God to do what we want in the world, but to align our will with what God is doing in the world. Prayer is not a laundry list. It's fine to ask for things, but you know, there's five different types of prayer. One of them is petition. But the petition, the asking of things, shouldn't be 95% of your prayer time. Let's spread it around a little bit with the adoration and the thanks and the confession and all the other types of prayer that are out there as well. Remember the Lord's Prayer. All he asked for was one thing, just enough bread for tomorrow. The other thing is we have to understand prayer is not easy. Jesus saddled us with a very difficult task. He said that we're supposed to Pray for and love our enemies. We're supposed to pray for and love our enemies. So when you pray, Lord, bless Al-Qaeda. Bless the Taliban. Watch over them. Be with them. It doesn't seem natural, but it's what Jesus said we're supposed to do. It's possible, but difficult. Remember the the little school in Pennsylvania where the crazy man walked in and shot the Amish children who were, who were there, shot them and killed them. And the Amish community in that little town ended up taking in his family, the shooter's family, taking them in, adopting them, taking care of them. It is possible to love and pray for your enemies, but it is not easy. Then we understand prayer is not the possession of the righteous. God listens to anyone. I was upset years ago when the head of the Southern Baptist Convention declared that God does not hear the prayer of the Jew. I, I remember thinking, what? What about the Old Testament? Those guys were all Jews. They were all Jews. 
God doesn't like it when anyone tells him who is on and off his list. It's important for us to understand anyone can pray. So what is prayer? Probably the best definition I have is that it is the inborn desire to be in relationship with our Creator. The desire for prayer is, you know, Augustine had this famous saying that, that we're all created with a God-shaped vacuum and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. That there is a yearning, a restlessness to know the one who created us, to, to have some sort of a relationship there. And that desire, that, that working on that is the process of prayer. Gerald May, a psychiatrist, observed, After 20 years of listening to the yearnings of people's hearts, I am convinced that most human beings have an inborn desire for God. Whether we are consciously religious or not, this desire is our deepest longing and most precious treasure. Surely, if we are made in God's own image, God will find a way to fulfill that deepest longing. Oftentimes, our relationship with prayer, our journey through prayer, is like the journey we have with our children that we go through. Different stages and phases of that relationship. When your kids are little, you're in the, you're, you guide them, you direct them, you parent them, you tell them what to do, you point them in a direction, and you get them going. And then they become teenagers, and all of that falls apart. And then they go to college, and you have no control at all. You have, you have no idea what's going on. You don't want to know. Um, there's all kinds... But then if you keep on going, you can often come to this third stage where as young adults, they come back and they end up being better than you ever even dreamed of. They end up being people that you want to hang out with, good people. This is, Maureen and I are experiencing this phase in our life right now. Our daughters turned out way better than we ever thought. <laughs> it's great, you know? Um, and so this kind of thing can happen where you, you can move through the stages and then come to the place where you do feel that everything is okay in your life, and your prayer life. And then lastly, Jesus tells an amazing story about prayer. Somebody asked him about it. He says, how, how, do you, how should I pray? And he tells a story that's one of the oddest parables. He says, there once was a man who had some guests come at midnight. He wasn't prepared. He didn't know they were coming. He had no food to give them, which is a grave act of inhospitality in that culture. So what did he do? He went next door. He knocked on the guy's door at midnight. And he said, I've got guests that have come. I need food to give them. And the guy inside the house said, are you crazy? It's midnight. I'm asleep. My wife's asleep. The kids are asleep. Dogs are asleep. Go away. But the guy just kept knocking. Knocking, knocking, knocking. And Jesus said that then the man got up and got the food and gave it to him. And he went and served it to his guests. He says that Jesus says to be stubbornly persistent when you pray. Keep at it. And in time, God will bring you himself which turns out to be what you were praying and looking for in the first place. Amen.
This Sunday before Thanksgiving, let us all give thanks to God as we pray together the prayer of Thanksgiving that's in the bulletin. Gracious God, accept these gifts we offer. In thanks we give back to you, the giver of all good gifts. And we pray that it would be a scattering of seeds in good and fertile soil. Use both the work of our hands and the giving of our resources so that the gospel may bloom and its roots grow deep, both in this place and throughout the world. In Jesus' name. place that you go forth as representatives ambassadors of our Lord Jesus Christ 
So live your life this week in such a way that wherever you are, when people see you, they'll see Christ living in you. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and always holds you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Go in peace.